What's up, family? Welcome to Speak. We are just days away from the Super Bowl. It's about to be a phenomenal show. If it's your first time watching, we appreciate you. Turn the volumes up. Put the remotes down stay and stay for, for a while. while. Hey, the, you did great. Hey, stay for a while. <laughs> Uh, Yo, it's all fun on this show. Far end, that is Dave Hellman, NFL insider. He knows everything that you need to know. Listen to him. This is the brilliant Joy Taylor to Dave's right. You already know who that is, though. And this is Eagles all-time rushing leader, LaShawn Shady McCoy. Now, Shady has two teams in the Super Bowl, the team that drafted him and the team that won him his ring. But when we talk about the team that drafted him, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're led by quarterback Jalen Hurts. And so much is on the line for Hurts, but most importantly for me. What's on the line? It's the narrative. See, nobody is talking about the fact that Jalen Hurts hasn't played a good playoff game yet. And we don't have to talk about that because he's in the Super Bowl, so it's irrelevant. But get this. If they don't win the Super Bowl, people are going to start to scrutinize some of these numbers. People are going to take out that microscope and really start to look deep and say, wait, Hurts, a 58% completion percentage, 177 passing yards, 37 rushing yards, Three to two touchdown interception ratio. Wait a second, Hurts. A 77 passer rating and league average is up around 89. If Hurts does not win, then all of a sudden, we aren't necessarily going to rewrite history, but we are going to take way too critical a look at history. We're going to overlook the wins and losses and only look at how Hurts has performed. So Hurts needs to win because the narrative, the narrative of who Jalen Hurts has been in the playoffs will be under a lot more scrutiny if he does not get the W in the Super Bowl. You know how it goes, Dave Hellman. Isn't it the, the victors, the winners, they write history? Yeah, the, the winners write history. The yeah. winners write history. As it is right now, Jalen Hurts is writing history. He's writing history however he wants it to be done. But if the Eagles and Hurts do not win, then he won't be the one writing that story. Other people will. LaShawn McCoy, you're the Eagles' all-time rushing leader. I say that as often as I can because it deserves that kind of respect. But what's on the line for Jalen Hurts in this game? Joy, it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, your monologue, you said something interesting. You said the narrative. And I think what's that line is the narrative. A storybook ending, yeah. right? Jalen Hurts went to uh, Alabama, right? And then he, he was dominant at first. SEC Office Player of the Year, yep. then he gets demoted in the championship game for Tua. Then he transfers, goes to Oklahoma, has a pretty good year, right? Leaves in the second round. Now, in Philadelphia, people weren't happy about that pick. I'm going to be honest. They actually were disappointed that they got Jalen Hurts in the second round. Had to overcome that. First year was whatever. Then he became who he is. Now, today, he's Jalen Hurts. One, way, or one win away from a Super Bowl. So, I think the narrative for this would be like some Hollywood story. Beating all the odds, getting counted out, counted out. Gets knocked down, gets back up, gets knocked down, gets back up. I think that if he can go out here and get a win, that would be a great story to tell. I mean, in Philadelphia, you know, they write stories about this. Yep. So I think this, this, what he has at stake is more just a storyline of a great story. Shady, personalize it for a second. Your final year in the league was with who? was the Bucks. Bucks, y'all won the Super Bowl. Bang. Last year in the league, LaShawn McCoy, you won a Super Bowl. But you went through all of off-season team activities, all the OTAs, yeah. all the minicamp, all of training camp, the entire season. Y'all started off 7-5. and five. It was not right. pretty. Right. But you won a Super Bowl. So it was all worth it. Had you lost that Super Bowl, how would that have changed how you viewed your last season? That would have been tough. I think if I'd have lost that, that game, I'd probably have come back another, another time, another team, to try to get a Super Bowl run. Um, and then, like, the, the cool thing is everybody puts so much into it, right? And I didn't play a lot, 
you know, my last year as more like a, a mentor, a veteran um, in the locker room. But I seen the ups and downs from, from Rojo, Ronald Jones, yeah. the running back. He was a starting running back. And I seen Leonard Fournette up and down, you know, competing every week. One game he's hot, other game he's hot. Seeing guys like Chris Godwin battling through injury, you know, and then, then later in the year he turned it on. Mike Evans at one point was the only wide receiver playing. Gronk. Gronk was talking about how his body was, you know, some days he felt good, some days he felt bad from all the years of the hits and the surgeries. Tom Brady. Tom was 40 years old, right? Seeing him every day practicing. So it's like we put all that into it. And then we were, it was an up and down season. We finally got together. And at the end, it's like, ah. It was all worth it. Yep. You got that ring that the confetti dropped down. You know, grown men is crying, kids is running. And you think about your career. I think about all the, the from the Russian titles to the all pros, the Pro Bowls, to doing all that and not winning, mm-hmm. to doing all that to winning. Antonio Brown, I know he, he went off the, 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 the cliff for a little bit, but when he was with the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we talked about all the success that he had and I had. Him and Le'Veon Bell and, and, and Ben, ben Rossenberger, oh, all the great times the Steelers had. All the all-pros he had, all the years he had, you know, triple crowns, et cetera, but no championship. Yeah. So that was the, the best thing. When you even asked that question, it made me think about how everybody was pouring into what they've been through from high school. Some guys never won in high school, right? All the way from high school to the NFL, you finally get your chance to win a Super Bowl, and you can rejoice like, wow, we really did it. You can't take that away from us. It's fascinating because Shady played 12 years in the league, if I'm not mistaken, and says he would have played another one had he not won a ring. So to get a ring. that is how important winning a ring when you have the opportunity to win a ring is. Dave Hellman, coming to you right now, knowing that a Super Bowl championship is on the line, how much pressure is on Jalen Hurts to get it and why? A ton of pressure. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. We get that. It is, it's the reason that we all do this. That's, it's this game. But I think Tom Brady and now to a lesser degree Patrick Mahomes have kind of ruined our perception of how fleeting this whole thing is. I mean, because, you know, you get used to seeing the Patriots do this 10 times in 20 years. It doesn't feel as special from an outsider's perspective, but it's really, really hard to get to this game. And it's really, really meaningful when you win it. I mean, think about outside of the greatness of Tom Brady and now to a lesser degree, the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. Think about what we've seen from some of the NFL's best in recent memory. I mean, Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl in year three. Has he been back? No, the answer is no. <laughs> Russell Wilson was on some iconic teams. Yeah. You know, they, they caught lightning in a bottle. They went to two games. They only won once, Second and he game. hasn't been back. Correct. Drew Brees was in this game one time. Yeah. You're not guaranteed a second shot at this. Famously, Dan Marino, the greatest quarterback to never win a ring. Second year, Second year never sniffed it again. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think that the Eagles will be back in this game because they're loaded. We thought that about their last, last Super Bowl yeah. team. Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate, and we were like, well, it sucks for Carson that he didn't really get to be the quarterback in this game, but he'll have another chance. How'd that work out? Jalen Hurts took his place. A year after Carson Wentz signed his mega extension, not even a full calendar year, the Eagles drafted his eventual replacement, and now they're in the Super Bowl with him. Like, you've got to be great on an iconic level to be making regular appearances in this game. It's not to say Jalen Hurts can't do that, but you damn sure shouldn't take it for granted. And think about how much easier your career gets if you check that box in early. Get it out of the way, man. And that, that is the pressure that's on Jalen Hurts right now. Is It's not to say your career will be defined by this game, but the arc of your career and the narrative of it, I mean, Nick Foles had one Pro Bowl season. But you know what he's got? Not only a ring, but a damn statue in Philadelphia. 
That's what happens That's when you win a game of this magnitude. Only him and Rocky, by the way. We love Rocky right right there. People. Joy Taylor, <laughs> a lot on the line for Jalen Hurts. So how much pressure is on the line for this QB? Well, you know, like they've said, it's the Super Bowl. So there's pressure on everybody. But Patrick Mahomes has earned a little grace in this space, being here as much as he has and winning a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP and multiple league MVPs. Right. We ha- we've put him into that space that the Patriots were in where they are going to be contenders every year. And a lot of things have to fall in line in order for you to do that. But life comes at you fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask the Niners. <laughs> ask Emmanuel Acho and the Niners. <laughs> it happens like this. You think you're rolling. You think you've got the same team coming back. You think you're going to win these games that you're expected to sure. win. Some You get one injury, one lineman, one thing falls apart. Somebody gets fired, and it's, it's a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. So you have to take advantage of these opportunities. There's a reason why we speak about Super Bowls in, with that lore because it's so hard. So many things have to go right. Some things have to go wrong for other people. You have to step up in the biggest moments. You have to get breaks throughout the season in order to just get to this game. So you have to take advantage of these moments when you when you have the opportunity to win them. But for Jalen Hurts specifically, again, I don't understand where the doubt still comes from. I wasn't sure about Jalen in the beginning. I think he's a completely different player this year than he was last year. I think he's done more than enough to secure himself a starting position with Philadelphia or for somewhere else in the league the way that he's played this year. But to win a Super Bowl, that'll just... That'll just close the book on that. That'll close the book on all that conversation, all that doubt of if you're capable of just winning the big game. Like, if you perform the way that he's performed all season long and you brought up in your monologue the numbers that he's had in, in the postseason, he performed the way he's all season long, then have the postseason run, and win the championship, none of that matters. Nobody's going to bring correct, those up. Correct. Because you have a whole legitimate season. You have a whole chapter. Yep and resume to show what you're capable of doing. Real quick, Dave, let me think about this for a second. Shady, you were literally on the field, so you can speak to it. Patrick Mahomes, he has played eight quarters of Super Bowl games. Eight quarters. Two games, eight quarters. He's only played one good quarter. Yeah, yeah. The fourth quarter of LaShawn McCoy's first Super Bowl, that was the only good quarter of the eight that Patrick Mahomes has played in the Super Bowls. But we don't talk about that because he won it. Jimmy G had... Two bad passes, but really one notable one. That bad pass, Emmanuel Sanders misses him, streaking wide open, likely would have put the game away against the Super Bowl that LaShawn McCoy won. But because Jimmy G lost, not only do we talk about that pass, we go back and say, wait a second. You know against the Vikings, Jimmy G only threw the ball seven times. Wait a second. You know against the Packers, Jimmy G only threw the ball 13 times. So now we retroactively, and obviously I'm being a little hyperbolic. I don't have the numbers directly ahead of me. But Jimmy G did underwhelm in those games leading up to that Super Bowl game. We retroactively start to examine how bad were you since you was bad. Jalen Hurts, I think people will all love these skeptics. All let a little, the the, the roaches that hide when the light's out. When the lights come on, you're just going to see people scattering because if Jalen Hurts underwhelms Dave Hellman, that's where my thought process is. People are now going to start to examine, wait a second, he ain't had a good playoff game yet, and he's played four of them. Elaborate on that point because you write those articles. And, and Jalen, and it's not a knock for me, but I think people will say this. Like, Jalen doesn't win the way that people want to see a franchise quarterback win. You know, the rushing is a huge part of it. He makes their ground game go 
he's got like what, like 18 quarterback sneak touchdowns. I'm exaggerating, but like not by a lot. So, and yeah, I, I think you're right. If, if he struggles in this game, particularly as a passer, and I would bet the Chiefs are going to do everything they can to make him win as a passer, because I think that's the weaker component of his game. Yeah, yeah I think an, uh, a narrative forms there. And to the point I made earlier, I think Jalen Hurts has done more than enough to be the Eagles quarterback of the future. But how much better would they feel knowing that he's already delivered the ultimate goal to them? Because that's, again, going back to this all being so fleeting. Yes, this team is great. I think they're positioned to do this again next year. But Darius Slay and Lane Johnson have astronomical cap hits. Does Jason, how much longer does Jason Kelsey want to play? At some point, you got to talk about a contract for a guy like Devontae Smith. James Bradbury doesn't have a long-term future. Like, it's hard to put a Super Bowl team together year after year. And Jalen Hurts is cheap right now, by the way. If they don't win this game, and now you're saying he will make it harder for us to put a good team together sooner rather than later, that's that's this all goes together. That's why there is an enormous amount of pressure on Jalen Hurts to just just get this box checked, man. You can get your statue. You don't have to worry about any of that. Well, somebody who's already checked the box, Russell Wilson, and Head coach, new head coach, Sean Payton. But Sean Payton said something yesterday that has me feeling a type of way. I vehemently disagree with a lot of the opinions around what Sean Payton had to say. When we return, we'll tell you exactly about it and break that down for you. Next, peace. That top story being Sean Payton, who had his intro press conference as the new Broncos head coach yesterday. He's joining a team that was 5-12. and 12. Yes, Shady, that's kind of Lisa right. He's joining a team that's 5-12 and 12 with Russell Wilson capping off the worst season of his career. Now, Payton was asked about his new quarterback yesterday. Interesting comments. Take a listen. Russell Wilson had a, a personal coach, Jake mm-hmm. Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Are, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. I don't know how I feel about that one, Joy Taylor. Hear what he said. I don't know how I feel about that one, 2-5. Um, I, I watched Colin's show earlier, The Herd, phenomenal as always, and Colin loved it. He said Sean Payton didn't mince words. He loved it. The more I watch it, the more it aggravated and agitated. Ooh, every little second. A little bit. Sean Payton is an incredible coach. He yes. absolutely is. We know that. But let's not necessarily act like Sean Payton is a greater coach than Russell Wilson is a greater quarterback when we talk about body of work. I think all of that has gotten lost over the last six, seven months, and really over the last six weeks, and truly over the last six days when we saw Sean Payton get hired. Like, Sean Payton has won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl singular. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl singular. Russell Wilson has been to two, I believe. Sean Payton's only been to one. Dave Hellman, correct me if I am wrong, as a resident uh, Saints fan. Just one. So, Russell Wilson liked that, too. Now, I fully understand that Russell Wilson's ways did not work year one, but if I'm the new coach, if I'm the new teammate, Shady, you're the new teammate, Dave, you're the new teammate on this show. I've known Joy for a while now, obviously, as a, as a co-worker. You ain't just going to tell me what I'm not going to do to the cameras. If you want to tell me, call me. Privately, yeah, you know what, Russ, we're not going to do that here. Shady, that's not how we get down, man. I need you to come to set on time. Dave, I'm going to need a clean-cut face out of you every now and then. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Man. Like, you're not just going to come and publicly tell me what is and isn't going to happen. Tell me that 
privately. So, Joy, that's why I didn't necessarily love it. But what say you? Dave, cut that off, too, man. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like it? Does it really look that bad? <laughs> but you said, oh, don't you dare cut your beard. Thank you. That's what the boss may say. Sean Payton isn't Russell Wilson's teammate. He's his mm. boss. Mm. Good answer. Yeah. So, bar? yeah. so if the boss comes down now... That could get into some other things, too. He's also not telling him to cut his hair. <laughs> but he, he didn't come in here to be his teammate. He didn't come there to be his friend. And when you play as badly as Russ did, what you were doing clearly wasn't working. Now, look, I don't... Sean clearly said that he didn't know anything about what this reporter was asking him about. So I wouldn't be surprised, like, when he sits down with Russ and Russ is like, hey... He's really not just my quarterback coach. He's also, like, my trainer and helps me stretch or whatever. And they have those conversations that he backs off of this because he also gave himself the wiggle room of, I'm not familiar with that. that. But if he does move forward with this statement, I'm okay with that too. Sean Payton didn't come here to make Russ feel good. He he came there to fix him. Mm -hmm. And he does need fixing. There's no argument about that. When When you have the expectations that Russ did, get paid what Russ got paid, when what's been given up has been given up to acquire you, you don't, and you play as badly as you did, you don't get to say what you want and don't want. It's not up to you anymore. You've lost that privilege for this year. That's how it goes. That's, I just said, life comes at you fast. If it was kind of okay, but we feel like we could use some improvement, we're just going to move off the coach. This was an, a disaster. It was the worst disaster in the league last year. And we had some pretty big ones. But this one took the cake. So I have no problem with Sean Payton coming in and setting the standard for how things are going to go. Shady, I need you to tell me how it goes, big dog. In 2012, your head coach was Andy Reid. Andy Reid currently coaching in the Super Bowl. He's the coach that drafted you. You only had 800 yards. There were several reasons as to why, but the facts are the facts. You only had 800 yards. In 2013, you got a new head coach, a new head coach by the name of Chip Kelly. You go from having 800 yards to 1,600 yards. You instantly double that rushing guard total. I don't know why you're looking surprised. I'm just reading you nah, need legitimized nah, But 2013, I was with Andy Reid. 13 13 yeah. chip was there, coach. Nope. Andy Reid. It's okay. It's cool. I got we busy. On the same I, got, I got busy with everybody. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got busy <laughs> with everybody. Th- th- we'll address this off, Kim. <laughs> but the fact, the fact of the matter remains, Chip comes in. You have a phenomenal season. You lead the league in rushing. Tell me, is this how it goes when you have a new coach if there's no relationship You know there? what? Like, there's truth on both sides. So I get what Sean Payton's saying. But hold up, man. Hold up. Before you got there, they ran things a certain way. Now, when I was with the Bucs my last year, won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady had his guy. He had his guy that he was like a trainer, though. So he wasn't like a, a quarterback coach. He was a trainer. Everybody, Tom was big on, listen, after practice, I want all you to go see my trainer first and then go to the, tra- the training staff with the Bucs had second. And I liked it because Tom is like that coach. He knows what everybody's doing. If you're getting treatment, you're ready to play, et cetera, et cetera. So my thing is, when you sign a player like Tom Brady, now, now hold up, before I even continue, mm. Tom is like up here, ah, there you go. Russ is down here. But the money part's the same. So when I recruit a player to, to come here, hey, we want you to come to the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool. This is, this is my guidelines. I need my guy in the building, help me out with the training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I need these players, all that type of stuff. Same thing with Russ. Even though they traded for Russ, when they decided to get given that money, we're going to talk. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. If you want me to sign here and be here for the next four or five years, this is what I want. I want my parking spot. I want, I want my, my trainer in here. That's the things he asked for. Yep. So Sean Payton had nothing to do with that. That's what they agreed on. Yep. You talked about Chip Kelly. When Chip Kelly did come there at the Eagles in 2013, his, is, his, <laughs> issue, his issue was this. Mr. Laurie, you gave me the rights, right, to do what I want to do. 
They gave him all the power. If I want to trade players, sign players, get rid of them, cut them, that's what I wanted to do. And when the issue with myself, Deshaun Jackson, when he started cutting players and trading them, Mr. Lurie had a problem with it. He said, well, hold up. You gave me the power, Mr. Lurie. So either you, you, you honor the contract or I'm leaving. And he stepped back. The last time he wanted to trade, the last player he wanted to trade was Brandon Graham. And that's when Mr. Lurie stepped and said, hold up. You had enough power. So my thing is this. When you give a player a certain amount of power, you got to honor that. So Sean Payton's tripping. Now, he said it's foreign because he probably never heard about it. But, hey, man, it's a new day and age, man. I'm, I haven't read Russ's contract, so I don't know what's in there and what's not in there. That's fa- I mean, you know, you agree to a contract. That's a different conversation. Right. But we have really useful data here because we saw Russ get his way with everything. And I'm not like, he got traded to the Broncos. He's the face of the organization. He, he said Super Bowls, plural, with an S. And on top of that, they built it all around him. Like Nathaniel Hackett's quote from the summer was, the offense will be what Russ likes to do. That's right. And then don't forget, we, we always, we tend to forget the, the big fly in the ointment here, which is that the Broncos changed ownership, ownership groups. That matters because a whole new group of billionaires came in and saw a disaster, which if I was Sean Payton and I was having this conversation with Russ, I would be like, look, I haven't won the Super Bowl every year of my career, but I've never once in my life had a season like you just got done with, ever. Mm. I think Sean Payton's worst season ever is like 7-9, and nine, still in playoff contention. Don't point too aggressively, though, because okay. Russ can point right back at them three 7-9 and nine consecutive seasons, and Russ ain't had a stretch like that either. They went so right at, too and, hard. That, and that money not going don't nowhere. Don't point too hard. That money not right, going nowhere. They went either. on a streak of like five straight playoff seasons after those 7-9s. and nines. That's not the point. The point is the ownership group made the hire. The ownership group said – this is what we had to watch with Russ being the face of everything, and we don't want that. They hired Sean Payton on purpose because he's one of the few people with the clout to come in and say, Russ, I don't know about all that, but that's not how we're going to do it this year. Because, and and the, the Tom Brady thing is interesting. A, Tom Brady's got so much more clout, so much more ability to do that than anyone in the world. And on top of that... The ownership group was the same. The Glazer families owned the Buccaneers for forever. And they were like, Tom, that is cool if you want to do it. Don't move. If it's this owner, that owner, the check's the check. Yeah, but the person who's writing that check changed. What does that mean? So that means that previous billionaire made you promises that this current billionaire did not. And this current billionaire got more billionaire billions than every other billionaire. But they got to pay it. No matter who the billionaire is, they got to pay that check. I'm not saying Rush should be stripped of all and everything that he was promised. But if you're talking about a quarterback coach, which, by the way, you were not good at qu- playing quarterback last year. So it's quite bad. Maybe this is not the worst thing for you. Don't know who his quarterback coach is, but you weren't good at quarterback and you had your own personal quarterback coach. So it's not really that unreasonable to say we're going to change the coaching staff around and do things a little differently. He's not saying Russ will never have his parking spots or something like this is something that is <laughs> you did not perform. And the person who was helping you to perform didn't do well. And then a reporter asked you, will that person be there anymore? So it's not even that unreasonable to say. It's a universal truth of life. Like the better you are at work, the more people leave you alone about work. And the other universal truth is if someone's writing you a hundred plus million dollar check and you don't perform, they're going to come in and tell you how you're doing things will be changing yes. because the more money I'm paying you, the more expect- expectations I have of you. And Russ just isn't in a position right now to be throwing his resume around. I hear what you're saying about Sean, but you let the organization down and you didn't perform not even to like nowhere near what you're being paid and what was given up for you. So it's on everybody to turn this around. It's not unreasonable for Sean Payton to come in and say, we weren't doing things the right way. We can keep doing it the way that you're doing it, 
but then you're not going to be here anymore, and I will. I think it's unreasonable for him to say it publicly without saying it privately. That's why I say what's unreasonable, because when you think about how many active head coaches are there that have won Super Bowls, I believe the number's at nine. Yeah. How many active quarterbacks are there starting that have won Super Bowls? Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, five, four. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson starting. Now, if you four, want to throw my guy four. Nick Foles in there, you can and make five. So Russ is on a much smaller list than Sean Payton is on. Russ won his Super Bowl after Sean Payton won his, and Russ has been back since he won his, which was also after Sean Payton won his. I only have the issue with Dave Hellman, him saying it privately before it, well, making sure him and Russ are good. Okay, well, meet me halfway here. Like, I would agree with you if Sean Payton had gotten up in front of the Denver media and been like, and another thing, <laughs> Russ is done with this private quarterback. Like, he was asked a question in a – we call that a scrum in journalism. Like, he's surrounded by people. He just got there. He doesn't know who's asking him this, probably. He gave a fairly diplomatic answer while also being firm. Like, this wasn't – Priority number one on his agenda when he sat down to talk well, about it. Also, this. would you prefer him be like, well, we're just we're going to check in with Russ on everything and make sure he's comfortable with everything that we're doing? That's not what he was hired to I would, do. I would have rather him be like, you know what, I'm going to talk to Russ about yeah, that. Yeah. Like, let me, let, me, let me talk to Because at the end of the day, the best coaching player relationships aren't respect that you have to command. It's respect that's already assumed. Like, if you have an authoritarian that's telling you to respect me, I ain't never going to respect you. So right. now Sean Payton doesn't demand respect? No, it's already assumed. So Sean Payton doesn't have to. He, Sean Payton's best relationship, in my mind, would be if there's mutual respect because I've already talked to Russ about it privately before saying something publicly. Shady, I know you want to go. I just, I just think that, like, it's, it's funny how y'all act like Russell got no power. All that, I don't care who's the, manage, the management. All that money matter. So they, they bring this new coach in here, and that's cool, right? He got a lot of weight because he who he is, his resume, who, and the coach he is. But this quarterback, right, the reason why the, the last coach got fired, let's, let's not forget that. It's Russ' fault, I guess, but the coach got fired, not Russ. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, listen, I get how you want to do things, Sean Payton, and I respect that. Thank you, brother. I'm happy you're here. But I'm Russell Wilson, and I got, I got a, a, a resume, and I got stuff I, I got in line that I want to do. And if you don't want to run, run that past nobody else, run it past me because I got $100 plus million dollars. It's guaranteed, no matter yeah, who yeah. writing that check. That's real talk, though. I feel if, if Russ pushed back against Coach, like, they can't move each other. They both that, got to be there. That's kind of where I'm but at. But keep in mind that okay. this is why I kept saying this all season long. This is a business. There are new businessmen and women in town. They got deep, deep pockets, like the deepest pockets that exist. Well, what do you say? What's that matter? Deep, yeah. They didn't sign Russ. You know how this goes? They bought this team. They have very high expectations. They bought a very expensive thing. They want to see results right away. That's why they brought Sean Payton in to begin with. So they don't care about Russell Wilson's resume. They care about what they're paying him. And when they're paying him, they want results. So I'm not, again, I'm cool with Sean Payton's, I'm actually cool with his answer. He didn't even say, I will never be this. I'm the right. ruler. Like he says, I'm familiar with it. That's not how we're going to do things. But he, le- he left it open that if he did talk to Russ, this could still be a thing. And again, he didn't say Russ is losing his locker in the position that he wants to have it in or he doesn't have an extra parking space. He said the guy that was coaching him at the quarterback position, which, by the way, he was very bad at last year, won't be there. I just don't if – if I'm a player and, and, and Shady – like, My question is, how if you're Russ for, – forget, like, anything else. Listen, he didn't say he's going to get free smoothies mm-hmm. or something. Like, he said he wasn't going to have his personal quarterback coach. If you're Russ – and you played as badly as you played last year with the amount of money that you're getting paid and the amount of stuff that was given up for you with an organization that's used to winning championships. 
How are you going to be upset that the new coach said you couldn't have the guy that coached you when you played badly last year? Because, one, we're making the implication that Russ played bad because of his quarterback coach, and he didn't play bad because of Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't play bad because he lost the starting Sure, but that's like the literal thing the guy was coaching him to do. Correct, but that's the assumption that we're making is all I'm saying. I think that's a fair assumption. I'm not saying it's unfair. I'm just saying that is the assumption. He played bad in an offense that Nathaniel Hackett described as being what he wanted to run. He described that coaches that have bad-ass years and still good coaches. Like, he had a bad year. I just here's, here's, here's I'm not issue. saying that Russ isn't capable. Of, I think Russ is going to be better this year. Like I, I think he, he is. Well, yeah, you've got uh, Sean Payton now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he is. I don't think Russ is washed. I'm just saying he's. Sean Payton said the personal quarterback coach for Russell Wilson, who played badly at playing quarterback last year, is not going to be in the building. I guess like, you? Let's just keep it reasonable about what he's even talking about. He's not saying he's he's not going to have his free smoothies and he's not going to have his parking spot yeah. and all of this. You to. can't you can't change my daily routine and who I have on staff and who I have employed and who I have as a part of my daily functionality without running it by me. There were players we had in Philadelphia who had their assistants walking into the building and whatnot. I won't say names. Mark Sanchez. And so you can't have. It's not his assistant. It's not his assistant. It's a part of his team. Yeah. So, like, if somebody said, hey, the person who's a part of your team can no longer be a part of your team inside this team, we got issues. And the last part is that he's not a regular player. He's a $100 million man. He's a friend. Yeah, so he's a franchise. So it's like, if Acho. You my boy, but hold on. If Acho want to bring in his guy, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Thank you. Well, but whoa. his guys to do what? <laughs> his guys to do what? If Acho's making $100 million this year to produce a show, and he is her, his producer that isn't a part of our producer team is the main producer on the show, and we have the worst ratings in the league, well, guess what the bosses are going to do? Guess what? What? We're still paying you $100 million, but this separate producer you got, got to go. But they say that first. You got to say that privately first. They don't got to do anything. They're billionaires. No, but Russ yeah, don't got to do anything because he's a millionaire in a franchise right. in a league that doesn't have millionaires. I don't understand. It the makes... B before the letter and then the M before well, so the what, letter. What, what so can many, I, what, hold on. Let so me much this, difference. What can I do to Russ? All this, that, the, that the, the richest guy, y'all keep talking about his owners, the BBBs. What can I do to Russ? If I don't want to follow what you're talking about, what happens then? You'll move me? I mean, no, no, no. Russ will play this year, and if Russ isn't good this year, then what happens? You yeah, can always move on from a contract before it's over. Everybody knows does, that. Does it happen like that? Hundred million? You signed hundred million dollars one year? No, it'll be hard. They're, they're, okay. they're, they're in a tough situation. I haven't seen it. The next couple. Of years. I haven't seen it done yet. I don't think they should move on Russ. I don't know. All I'm saying is the guy it. who's coaching him in quarterback position that he brought in, like maybe it wasn't his fault, but it was it was somebody's fault. He gonna keep him there though. That's my thing. Like, look, I hear what you're saying, Sean Payton, but you don't write my checks. Does he make more money than him? Yeah, significantly. Come on. But coming up, we got to talk more about the Super Bowl that is on the horizon because the Eagles, the Eagles have dominated in the playoffs so far. Patrick Mahomes is up next, and he is looking to take advantage of the Eagles' defense. The question is, will he? That's next on uh-huh. speed. I did not think that combo would go there. That was fun, actually. Let's get back to the NFL Super Bowl on the horizon. Eagles, they've only given up 14 points in the playoffs so far. But recently, Niners wide receiver Brandon Ayuk said the Chiefs passing game will expose, yes, expose that Philly defense. The Eagles will be facing Patrick Mahomes, who is a front runner for MVP. Shady, I can't wait for this game, man. I can't wait for this game. Your former teammates, your former team, I can't wait for this game. I have thoughts. I think that the Eagles will be caught off guard for the first 15 plays, maybe 20 plays of this game. I do not think that the Eagles have seen any – not I don't think. I know 
the Eagles haven't seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to see something like Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow can give you a little bit of it. Josh Allen can give you some of it. If you talk about timing, Tua can give you some of it. If you talk about arm strength, Herbert can give you some of it. But it's hard to see the whole package of Mahomes unless you play Mahomes. However, the best quarterbacks the Eagles have faced, even an Eagles fan will tell you, Jared Goff, week one. Dak Prescott, the one game that Dak Prescott played against the Eagles. You could also say um, Kirk Cousins, if you will. Kirk, Dak, Maybe Rodgers. Goff. Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers had such a bad season, I don't want to include him. Rodgers, no 300-yard games this year. So if you're thinking about the best quarterbacks the Eagles placed this year, they haven't seen anything even near the stratosphere of Mahomes. They didn't play a Lamar Jackson. They didn't play an Allen. They didn't play a a Burrow. They didn't play a Tua pre-injury. They didn't play a Herbert when he was ball. They didn't do that. So if you now have to go from facing Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson slash Brock Purdy to Patrick Mahomes, one of the most talented, if not the most talented quarterbacks the game has ever seen, I think there will be a adjustment period. Before you know it, you'll get hit with a quick two-piece. So that's why I think, Shady, I won't give the advantage necessarily to Patrick Mahomes, but I will say this. I think Mahomes will get busy in this game. Who do you give the advantage to, Patrick Mahomes or the Eagles? Defense? I think Pat definitely going to get busy. That's just in his DNA. I got to go with the Eagles. I truly do. My last year with the Bucs, when we played Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that defense was really, really good, and they got after Pat. Like, they made it a hard day. A lot of pressure from a lot of different looks. They, could, they couldn't really get there with this, with this four rushers, so we did a lot of different exotic blitzes, right? Sending guys off the edge, off the middle, you know, flushing them out. So they did a lot of good things. But this defense is even better. They get pressure like that. We're only rushing four. Four guys. And then when, you, when the starter gets tired, the backup comes in and does the same type of pass rush. This has got to be the best defense he's ever faced. I'm talking about in the NFL in ever. general. History. Yeah, when I just look at it, from the secondary aspect of it, guys that can just lock up and cover. They got all pros and pro bowls on both sides of the ball. Or on the side of the field. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then, and then up front, the way they pressure the ball. When I look at this, when I look at Patrick Mahomes, or not Patrick Mahomes, I look at the Eagles' defense. They're only allowed 250 yards once out of 19 games. And that was the, the Dak Prescott, which is surprising, but he did. In Dallas, he did. All that. Yeah. All right, that's, that's. So my, my thing <laughs> is, what, I do think that one thing you said was correct. In the first 15 to 20 plays, Andy Reid has the best. There's nobody that does the best or the first 15 plays like Andy Reid. Give him time to draw, draw it mm-hmm. up. He's going to draw it up. I think Patrick Mahomes is special. He's going to make plays already. I just think that the defense has the advantage. Dave Hellman, advantage Eagles, Chiefs, or Mahomes? What I'm never going to do is take any credit away from Patrick Mahomes Can't ever. Do that. He is. I mean, he's, he's alone. That's what I've learned in 2022, 2023. Just, he's alone. Leave him, just leave him be until somebody does something to prove that he shouldn't be. So I don't want to take credit away from him, but it's the Eagles because football's a game of matchups. Like, this isn't... Patrick Mahomes against some tackling dummies in green. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback that they're going to have played. What about the Eagles' pass rush being third in NFL history? Like, you know how hard That's it is crazy. to hit 70 sacks? You're usually happy if you're in the 50s. That's 70. 70. What about have, have the, the Kansas City receivers, like we make so much about Tyreek Hill leaving, and they've done a great job, but – do, 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 does Kansas City have receivers that can consistently separate against guys like Darius Slay and James Bradbury? Like if, and in these playoff matchups, we always say, like, make them play left-handed. Take their best thing away. The Eagles are equipped. I never want to say take Travis Kelsey away, but I think they can limit him. They're equipped to do that. Do you have a guy that can win in one-on-one? If they say, 
Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be in one-on-one coverage against Darius Slay all day. Can he win anything? That's a great point. Can the Chiefs' right tackle consistently slow down Hassan Reddick? What about Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox rotating? Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith are great players too, but that's a hell of a matchup. We know the Chiefs, they've been better at running the ball this year, but they are not a a running juggernaut. So if the Eagles can make them one-dimensional, even Patrick Mahomes is going to have some slip-ups if he has to throw 45, 50 times in this game. So, yes, Patrick Mahomes is easily the best quarterback they'll have played, and his presence in this game is what gives the Chiefs a chance to win it. But the Eagles have an advantage at... 10 of the 11 positions in this matchup. And I think, I think people forget that. Like, it's not just Mahomes against this monolithic unit. It's will Mahomes have time to throw if the Eagles are winning on the edge every other snap? That's what I can't wait to see. Joy, advantage Chiefs, advantage Mahomes, or advantage Eagles defense? Scrappy little Chiefs. <laughs> Rugged underdogs. It's really, you know, it's a blessing that they're here, really. Like, it's right. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? No, I mean, look, he's one player up against a really great group of players. It's a matchup. And I think if there's any player in the league that could overcome an entire side of the ball being as dominant as the Eagles are, it's Patrick Mahomes. I agree. So I think that he is going to be great, and that's where the Eagles can keep him. I think they're capable of keeping him at great. All-time great, six touchdowns against the Steelers, no interceptions, great. I don't know about all that. I think they're going to make it difficult for the – for the Chiefs offense, and it's going to be a very long game. But Patrick Mahomes is special enough to overcome that. And I, and I understand the matchups aren't great for the Chiefs receivers and how's the, whole, the line going to hold up. If the Eagles offense doesn't produce, they might not need to beat them every time. They might only need to beat you once. So this is going to have to be a complete game for the Eagles in general, I think, to beat Patrick Mahomes, especially at the level that he's playing. But I think the Eagles' defense has been dominant all season long. I don't think they're phonies. I don't think they're going to get exposed. You you play who you play. Basically, you're saying there's nobody in the NFC that's worth talking about at the quarterback position, if that's the case. Yeah. This year. Is, that, is that how we feel? Like, there's no dynamic offense. There's no quarterback that should put any fear. Obviously, bad. Patrick Mahomes is on a whole other level. But if that's the case, uh, the Chiefs just went through the AFC. So there's no re- – they, they should feel quite fine about True. where they are because yeah. they went through all – The Chiefs, yes. Of the, the, the Chiefs' defense also went through, through all those guys, and they were the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah. I, I think the Chiefs, honestly, are more equipped – for this game between the ears and the Eagles are equipped for this game. Reason being, I think what you go through in life prepares you for moments when you talk from a macros perspective. From a micros perspective, I think what you go to on a field prepares you for moments. That's my personal belief. The Eagles have dominated the first two playoff games. But Daniel Jones, we was hot during the course of the season, 22 touchdowns total, and I believe five interceptions, 15 touchdowns passing. Um, Then you meet Brock Purdy, you knock him out the game. You knock Josh Johnson out the game by the third quarter. So the Chiefs, however, like Joy has mentioned, they have to go through Joe Burrow. The Chiefs went through Trevor Lawrence when he had just put up 30 points and a half against the Chargers. And Doug Peterson, maybe the third or fourth best offensive mind in football. I actually think the Chiefs are more mentally equipped for this moment because they've had to go through the fire in the playoffs where I know as a defense, the Eagles haven't even had to defend a pass in two quarters. Remember, against the Niners, they couldn't pass the ball. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. So that, those first, I just remember them first couple plays in any big game, whether it's a college rivalry game, playing Oklahoma, Sam Bradford, his Heisman year. Before you know it, you're down 7-0. to zero. You're just like, what in the world just happened? Shady, talk to me about that. Did you feel like in the Super Bowls, whether you were 
active sideline, whatever the case may be, did you feel like it took a while for your defenses or your offenses to adjust to just the speed of everything and the moment of everything? I can't believe Sam Bradford won a Heisman. Mm-hmm. Sorry. In college, he was nice. He was, yeah, opposite the league. Real quick, um, other question, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, so even when we played, the, the, when I was with the Chiefs and we played the Niners, we started off a little slow, right? I think that pass rush was different. Bolsa was a lot faster than we thought. Like, whoa. And I remember on the sideline how the, the different adjustments. Like, we wanted to slide more to him, chip, chip even more than we had in the game plan. I think once you, like, watch tape and you practice and you have the game plan, but in the game it's a lot different, you know. But then again, like, Patrick Mahomes, he's, he's different. Yep. I got to be honest. One of the things he always talked about, I would ask, like, what you think you need to work on? And he told me, you know, uh, one thing I need to get better at is stepping up in the pocket. If you ever noticed them crazy stats he had, I forget the, the, the MVP Drift, year, Drift, Drift, all that running around, work serving sidearms, all that, you don't see that as much no more. Mm. You know why? He steps up in the pocket. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, the rush is coming? So let me step up. So he's involved even more. He's developed even more. So now I think about it, like, man, when you ask me about the, the adjustments that we had to do for the defense, they had to do the same thing for Pat. Yeah. Because when you do watch the games where Pat was uh, struggling, running around, he's changed. That's a great question. Because sure the game is funny. That tape hits much different in real life. Yeah. You watch something on tape and it's like, oh, yeah, I get, man, that ain't nothing. And then you're like, you that you're good? Like, you that yeah. bad? You that? <laughs> Look, that tape hit different. I cannot wait for <laughs> this matchup. Well, coming up, transitioning to the NBA, the Celtics are having a really good season. But word on the street is there might be some interest in breaking up the duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for superstar Kevin Durant. They better go get him. Oh, they better go get him. thoughts on that next. Well, the breaking news of the week is Kyrie Irving joining the Dallas Mavericks. He demanded a trade about a week ago, and it was granted going to Dallas, and now he's teaming up with the likes of Luka Doncic. Well, who did he leave behind? Kevin Durant, and clock is kicking on KD's time in Brooklyn. A report says the Celtics, yes, the Celtics, have inquired about the two-time NBA champ with Jalen Brown's name being in the mix. Now, remember, Brown and Tatum currently have Boston with the best record in basketball. KD's a spicy topic on this show because KD's one of the best players the history of the game has ever seen. Shady, I think it would be ludicrous to break up the duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for Kevin Durant. I think it would be absolutely asinine for this reason. Jalen Brown is peaking, averaging more points than he's ever averaged over the course of his career. And truly, Jalen Brown has been peaking since they got rid of Kyrie Irving. Because Kyrie Irving really stunted Jalen Brown's growth. If you go back and look when Jalen Brown averaged 14 points a game to 13 points a game, uh uh-oh, now Jalen Brown's doing his own thing. Kyrie Irving not on the team. 20 points a game, 23 points a game, 24 points a game this year, 27 points a game. The duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, it's a top three duo in basketball when you talk about all-stars. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, don't think of them as just some run-of-the-mill combination. That's the top three duo in basketball. But furthermore... Kevin Durant be hurt. He be hurt since he got to Brooklyn. He got to Brooklyn hurt, and more than anything, he's been hurt since. So if you were trading for a 25-year-old KD, I fully understand that. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. That would be the most brilliant take you could have. But to try to acquire a 33-year-old KD, a 34-year-old KD, when you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum playing one of the best dynamic duos of basketball that we've seen right now, I wouldn't want to break that up. Explain to me why you would. Why are you talking about his age? It matters. Why? Because he ain't slowing down. You know he averages 30 right now. Listen. When he's out there. 
Kevin Durant, are we, this is a real question. A real question. Jalen Brown, I, I, I love his game. I'm going to be honest. I remember way back when he was a young rookie, mm-hmm. and he was actually guarding LeBron. I was like, yo, look at this young kid. He was getting scored on, but he kept answering, kept answering, kept fighting. And then I, I watched his career go on. He's doing very, very well. Kevin Durant's a different story. We won't see another Kevin Durant for another 30 years. I'm being serious. He can do everything. Yesterday, off, off um, TV. Yep, off mic. Off mic. When we were in the dressing room talking, I said, man, we was talking about Kevin Wait, uh, pause, 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 pause. You know you have to ask for permission to have dressing room conversations oh, on TV. I don't know. Joy, I thought you told Shady about this. My you bad. can't just start saying Wait. the private conversations all willy-nilly. Yeah, but we, we be bringing... Speak after dark on the set a lot. More and more recently. Okay. Yeah. I'm in favor of it. So he can cont- – yeah. All right, so – It's a fun conversation. Steph Curry is my favorite basketball player. And, and he played with Kevin Durant. I was like, man, <laughs> just thinking about it. I was like, what can Steph Curry do that Kevin Durant can't do? Right? He's seven foot. He can do everything Steph could do. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were a great tandem. Brown yeah, and Tatum. They, yep. They didn't win anything. They lost. They got there, though. They got there. Like they got there. They, got there. they didn't win anything. If Kevin Durant's there – the Warriors know what would happen. They didn't got they didn't Kevin, got lost. Kevin Durant was Kevin, on the Nets and lost to the uh, to the Celtics. Yeah, li- listen, man, talking hold about on. I mean, no, I'm talking about Kevin Durant on that team with the with the, the Celtics. If I sit here and name all the the, the, the freaking players on the on the uh, Nets, come on, the Kyrie Irving wasn't eating. He was half in and out. Like they just, it was a bad mix. If you put Kevin Durant with the, with the Celtics, that team is spread out. They all can shoot from the one to the five. Think about that though. Everybody's spread out. So that was Kevin Durant one on one. Can't double Tatum. And to be honest, like any team that KD goes to, he's probably the best player. But here's the other question, Joy. Here's my thought is, I love that you say that. My thought is, do you need that? If you're the Celtics. You didn't lose last year, so you do need it. If you're the Celtics and you went to the NBA Finals last year and you got Warriors, it happens. That's a lot of people. Got smoked. Sure. You were a a favorite, too. Don't you forget that. I won't. Okay. Just remember the the, the Celtics smoked the Nets. Smoked. They got smoked. They got smoked. So I won't forget that. Just remember they, they smoked the Nets. If you <laughs> do acquire Kevin Durant, then you might dim the light on Jason Tatum. That's another thought I had, but I'm interested in your thoughts. Would you break up the duo for KD? They are the highest scoring duo in the NBA this season. Mm-hmm. They were in the finals last year. They added Malcolm Brogdon, who is the odds-on favorite to win sixth man of the year. In order to break this up, in order to acquire a Kevin Durant, you will have to do better than a Rudy Gobert trade because he's better than Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And they gave up five players and five picks. So whoever's trading for Kevin Durant is blowing it up. And that ain't the Celtics. It's just not how they do business, and there is no reason to. If you could just poof, put him in the lineup, yeah, I love that for the Celtics. But that's just not how this would work. And part of the reason why the Celtics are the number one seed in the East is because they are a complete team. Having an extremely top-heavy team can get you to the postseason. It's not going to win you a championship. You have to have depth. You have to have defense. You have to be able to give your stars rest. We see this all the time. It's part of the reason why Kyrie is in Dallas right now, because they're a top-heavy team all with Luka. And Luka is great, but he can only be so great by himself because this is a team game. So there's no reason for them to break this up. Now, after this year, if they make another run and they still can't get it done – then I think you start to have the conversation of what it looks like moving forward. But the way that they're playing this season, after, after going into the season not knowing what to expect, having a new coach, running it back after a, a disappointing finals run, mm-hmm. they've been incredible. So I, I, don't, I don't see even logistically how you break them up considering what you would have to do if 
if KD even wants to leave Brooklyn and if Brooklyn is even willing to do that. Because keep in mind, that's Brooklyn's competition. So if they're going to make a trade with them, they're going to wax them. And there's no way that, that the Celtics are going to do that. This reminds me of that meme you see on Twitter where it's like, you can have a speedboat or the mystery box. And they're like, <laughs> well, give me the mystery box. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> you already have the boat. You already, they're the best team in basketball. They have the best record. They went to the finals last year. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to get over the hump. Good thing you have two of the brightest stars in the NBA, both of whom are younger than 26. Like, they're not even in their basketball sports playing prime. And you want to blow that up because you lost in the finals last year? For a, And I agree with you. Kevin Durant is still playing at a very high level. I assume that he will for a while longer. But still closer to retirement than the beginning of his career. Like, these, these are three players that are in completely different spheres, stages of their career. I really like what you just said. If this plays out again, if you're the one seed and you go all the way through the playoffs and you're still not good enough to get over the hump, that's the type of thing that could inspire you to do something bold like this. But yeah. right now, you're already the best team in the league. You already know you can get through the East with basically this team. Why would you want to blow that up? And then, again, keep in mind, not just will you have less depth, but it still takes time to figure out minutes, rotation, who plays best with who. Even the Heatles needed a year to sort of get all that stuff sorted out. Like, it, it's not as easy as just saying, Kevin Durant, get out there, and we're going to win every game. So you would be willfully blowing up a good thing for a thing that might not be good. Like, why? Why are we doing this? you're giving Jalen Brown up, that's a big piece. Like, that, he, he, could, he could start his own franchise. I mean, with the certain players around him. So I don't, I don't think I have to, like, like give, you, give everything to the Nets. And I feel like KD... They know he want to leave, right? And then basketball players, they control a lot of power. I'm, I'm hurt. What's injured? Something. I can't play. We see it all the time. Something. So it's like, <laughs> let's get something for him. I think Jalen Brown, like, that's that will be the, probably the best player that's been traded since. Yeah. But uh, uh, Kyrie and probably him. So it could happen. And then the last part, I disagree with you on the age. I think that they could figure a way to, to, to trade. But then, like, KD, he going to be playing. He like 40-something. His skill set, we, we, there's no mouse in the NFL, oh, NBA I, like I that. I hear you. I hear you. Not even close. He's seven foot, can dribble, can shoot like Steph Curry. Not like, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, enough. come on. Enough. Either way, it is interesting. Oh, More you better go get that boy. <laughs> if this conversation did it any justice, you know how interesting it is. Coming up, LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, might achieve one of the greatest accomplishments on the court ever. And it might happen tonight. The all-time uh -oh. scoring record, just 36 points away. What would passing Kareem mean for that legacy? Do not go anywhere. We are witnessing history. We got to talk about it. Does, it. does it happen? I hope it does. I hope it does. And As we celebrate Black History Month, I'd like to recognize Teresa Weatherspoon. You already know her credentials. NCAA champ with Louisiana Tech, two-time All-American, two-time WNBA Defensive Player of the Year, five-time WNBA All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, Naismith Hall of Famer, class of 2019, and now an assistant coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. What you might not know about Spoon, though, is why she's an MVP off the court. As one of the few female coaches in the NBA, let alone a black female coach, she's blazing new trails and doing it with such class. I asked her one time how she handles being a woman in a man's world, and she told me, oh, no, wrong way to look at it. I belong here just as much as any male, Jen. Got it, Spoon. Lesson learned. NBA players making millions respect her so much because she genuinely cares. 
She's humble enough to notice others and take the time to get involved, but she's wise enough to give advice that really makes a difference. Zion Williamson credits Spoon with helping him through those dark days of the foot injury that cost him all of last season. I mean, he tears up when he starts talking about her. Spoon also notices the undrafted two-way players. They go under her wing, too. She makes everybody feel like someone important. It's a beautiful lesson for a coach impacting athletes, but it's just as important in life for the rest of us. Let's get to the WNBA. LeBron James can literally make... Let's get to the NBA from the WNBA. <laughs> LeBron James can literally make history tonight right here in L.A. Do not let anybody sell you short on how big an accomplishment this is. 36 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points scored in NBA history. He's a four-time champ. Y'all already know the statistics, but I think if LeBron were to be able to pass Kareem tonight and when LeBron passes Kareem, it does make LeBron James the greatest basketball player the game has ever seen. I do not think that you want to get into that debate about the best. I think Michael Jordan at his best was better than LeBron James at his best. That's probably inarguable, seeing that Jordan went to six, won six, in six. So I don't know that that's the debate you want to get into, and I won't get into that debate. But when you want to talk about greatest, the accumulation of the most, that's when LeBron James should unequivocally be considered. Fourth all-time in assists. First all-time in points, 35th all-time in boards. When you want to talk about the accumulation of greatness, 10 finals appearances, four NBA titles, four uh, NBA finals MVPs, four regular season MVPs. When you want to talk about the accumulation of greatness, nobody has accumulated more in totality than LeBron James. Now, we all know what Michael Jordan did and how Michael Jordan did it, but we don't have to debate greatness right now. Let's just appreciate what we're witnessing from LeBron. When he passes this mark, which we know will happen, it's a matter of when, not if. It just solidifies LeBron James as the greatest basketball player the game has ever seen in my mind. But, Joy, what would passing Kareem do for LeBron's legacy? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of an indescribable feat. Um, and keep in mind, he's played 151 less games than Kareem. Means something. And 3,739 less minutes. Mm. So it's just, it's really just remarkable. We're running out of words to describe LeBron James. I mean, I am a Jordan zealot. I thought I was going to be Michael Jordan growing up. Like, I used to have my brothers and sisters, like, try and stretch me. So when, did, when did you realize? It like, took that a while. Okay, that's fine. I'm just <laughs> like, 13, I thought it was Michael, 14. and then I thought it was um, Alan Iverson. Iverson. I thought it was Teresa Witherspoon for a little while. And then, you know, just so, like, Realized you the were growth good. plate stopped, and this just wasn't for me. And now I'm up here talking with y'all. I got there a lot sooner, trust me. It worked out for me. It's fine. <laughs> but he's just a he's, – he's the modern greatest. Yeah. He's the modern greatest. And I think even for me as somebody who, you know, worships Michael Jordan and then still holds him in that space as the greatest player of all time, I think when we get into these debates, and this is what we do, and we argue, and it's fun, and we have the players that we have allegiances to, we just – probably have to start separating these eras a little bit more and respecting them. Like, Kareem, passing Kareem is not a small thing. He had the most unblockable shot in the history of the league. He's won on every single level. Like, there are many people who still think Kareem is the GOAT above Michael because of the longevity and greatness of his career, winning in high school, winning in college, winning in the pros. The, the legacy that he left. And then you have what Michael Jordan did. And when you look at LeBron James in totality, all the things that he's accumulated, what's always been remarkable to me about LeBron, and which is why I say he's the greatest superstar we've ever seen in anything, is that we've, we've seen him since he was a child. Mm -hmm. 
like not just graduating from high school, when he was a kid to now, every element of his life, he's been a superstar for that long. And to be able to not just manage his career, but his business and his brands, which is a lot to do with that much scrutiny and pushback and are you the GOAT and are you good enough and you don't have a championship and you don't have this and constantly moving the goalposts for him. For him to be able to do this is just, I mean, this is something we thought we'd never, ever would see. What I like to do with LeBron and touching on that is crazy to think like, okay, think back. It's hard to do because he's been that great for that long. Remember, LeBron was on the cover of SI, and they, like, build him as, is this this the next Jordan? And that seemed crazy. We're like, wow, we're setting this kid up to fail. There's no way he can do this. And look what happened. Like, kids in college don't remember a world where LeBron wasn't that dude. You know? Like, he somehow had that much hype placed on him from that age and delivered on every single level of it and did it for long enough that he's going – to break one of those records that you thought was unattainable. You know, I compared it to the rushing title, Emmett Smith's, and it, it's different sports, obviously, but to do that, Shady, you know, you got to be great, and you got to be great for a long time. Like, we've seen running backs get out to crazy hot starts. Todd Gurley comes to mind, but it's hard to do it consistently for the decade plus that it takes. 20 years of consistent great. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You can't say enough about yeah, it's it. It's impressive. I think this... Once he passes Kareem, um, this makes him the best all-around player we've ever seen. And I, I won't get into the comparison of him and Michael Jordan. This is his time. Hey, like, that's one thing you said I love. Is like, this is his time. Let's just reflect on how great he is. I mean, we haven't seen nothing like this. 20 years, and he's still dominant. And then, like, the, the craziest thing is this. He has 36 points to pass Kareem, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't even reached the All-Star game yet. He has a whole other second half of the year. Yep. And then he's going to play another game <laughs> yet, next year, the year. So... LeBron James, you're the, you're, the, you're the greatest, man. I just I love to see the way you work and how you're still passionate of keep coming back and coming back for more and more and more. Well, LeBron James will play a lot more games this year, but he won't be on the court on the same team with Kyrie Irving, at least not in real games. And <laughs> speaking of Kyrie, he is in Dallas, but he's not done talking yet. He just had his press conference with the Dallas Mavericks, and wow, wow is all I'm going to say. You got to come back to hear what he okay. said and what we got to say. Do not go anywhere. This will... And make it speechless. Next. They call him Uncle Drew for a reason. Kyrie Irving. Yes, we already know he's going from Brooklyn to Dallas. We're up to date on the trade. But he finally had to get some things off his chest in his first press conference as a Maverick earlier today. Oh, Kyrie Irving. Talk that talk. Take a listen, y'all. I just know I want to be places where I'm celebrated uh, and not just tolerated or or, or just... um, you know, kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. Um, and there were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt very disrespected and my talent, uh, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic, though. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. So uh, I just want to change that narrative, write my own story, and just continue to prepare the gym. And now that I'm in Dallas, just focus on what I can control. That's right, man. Okay, Shady, you are the most passionate about this. Kyrie Irving said, and this was the most this was the most notable of the quotes. He wants to go somewhere where he can be celebrated and not just tolerated. Shady, what you make of it? Everybody want to feel love, feel respected, feel wanted. Not every time I do something, if I do it wrong, if I do it right, you all on me. If I do something wrong, you all up on me. I, I get the, the the producer texting me, oh, you did this wrong, Shady. I guess you keep calling me. No. I want to go somewhere and work somewhere that I, people love me and respect me. If I fall short, pick me up. 
Don't try to make an example out of me. I love what he just said. And he went to the place that's going to care about him and show him love and not just tolerate him, but celebrate him. Keep talking, Kyrie. <laughs> um, I understand what Kyrie Irving said, but Kyrie, I think he needs to be more self-aware. If you want to go somewhere where you will be celebrated exclusively and not just tolerated, then your actions have to dictate celebration exclusively. Now, we have to remind the world, what has Kyrie Irving done worthy of being celebrated? A lot. I will only name some of the highlights. He donated $1.5 million to the WNBA for lost wages. He paid off the tuition of nine HBCU students. He bought a house for the family of George Floyd. So Kyrie Irving, a bunch of other things. They never talk about that. They did research that, right? No, Shady, it was literally, I tweeted it back in freaking... November. They don't never hear him. I was talking about it. Well, I, I, talk, I was talking about it until you interrupted me. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Can I, I got excited. I got excited. <laughs> so Kyrie Irving has done a lot of positive things worthy of being celebrated. But we can't only look at the positives and ignore all the other offense that he's made. And that's why I think there's a lack well, of self-awareness. Coming. I respect Kyrie wanting to only be celebrated and not be tolerated. But then the actions have to reflect that if we're going to respect that. That's all I'm saying, 2-5. Joy Taylor, what you make of the comments? I think uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets play in New York and the Dallas Mavs play in Texas. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that will be the case. You know, there's some different views in different parts of the city and different parts of the country. So it might, it might end up being the case. You, you, you live yeah, in Texas. Yeah, no, you, that, you spend I, some time in Texas. Raised, yeah. We live in California, you know. It's a market that might work. Yeah, you know. Look. I think this is a great situation for the Dallas Mavericks. I think they needed to bring in someone who was a high-caliber player to play alongside Luka Doncic. They gave up a lot. Some people don't feel like it's that much. I think it was a significant amount, but it doesn't matter because there's only so many players like Kyrie Irving. And I understand what he's saying. Brooklyn was not a good situation, and I don't think it was all Kyrie's fault. I don't think it was all Kevin Durant's fault. As, as always, I put the blame on the organization. When you are habitually dealing with the same thing over and over again, I don't think the leadership is at the, in the building, and that starts at the base level. If you are going to be uh, a, a billionaire, if you're going to be front-facing, if you're going to have statements and all these things, then you have to set the standard for your building. And I don't think that Brooklyn has that on any level. I don't think they have a backbone or a culture. So could things be different with the Mavs? Absolutely. I, their, their owner is very present. He's very front-facing. He's not quiet about how he feels about anything. So I think that, at the very least, communication between Kyrie and, and, and Mark Cuban will be very open and free-flowing. That is what I anticipate. He is a very successful person. Kyrie is a very outspoken person. And that could be the perfect situation, honestly, for, for both of them. So, look, I think it's a new start, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Dave, you covered pro sports in Dallas, in the Dallas area, for 10 years, the greater Dallas area. What do you make of the Kyrie quote, him joining the Mavericks, the opening presser? Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be the Mavs. I think that's why this is a good situation. For the time being, everybody's on the same page here. Like, the Mavs need help for Luka. They need another player that can put them on a different level, help them get over the hump. Kyrie Irving, <laughs> age didn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore, and B, wants a new contract. So temporarily, there is an alignment of goals here, and that can work out really well. And that's I was when I heard about the trade, I was never worried about February through June. It's everything that comes after that, and that's where I think that's what has the potential to derail this thing. We'll have to see how it goes. Maybe they're successful enough early enough that that doesn't come into play. Maybe for a variety of reasons, Kyrie likes it in Dallas. I mean, there's conspiracy theories down there that he can get into as well. I sent y'all, I sent y'all the tweet about, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, yeah. But what? What's 
about wait, 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 it was it was on in the group, group chat group chat group chat, group chat definitely don't make group chat definitely don't make the show that stays in the group chat no, it seems negative uh, look it seems negative look Kyrie is a very outspoken person we do an opinion show sometimes people like our opinions sometimes people don't mm -hmm. sometimes people hate you sometimes people like you if you are if you are somebody who never talks and people are always mad at you I can be on your side. But everyone doesn't have to agree with what you're saying. People are allowed to be offended by what you do. It's a free country, meaning I'm free to hear you and dislike what you said, just like you're free to say what you want right. and enjoy and, and keep saying that. that. That's how this exchange works when you're a public figure. And, and, and what I do, but what I do like about what Kyrie said, because we're, you know, we're focusing on the disrespected part, and that will be the part that everyone focuses on. He said, I just want to change that narrative, write my own story, and continue to prepare in the gym. Why is Kyrie a famous person? Basketball. He's good at basketball. Why is he with the Mavs right now? Because he's having a he was having a great season in Brooklyn. They want to win a championship and put another great star player next to their star player in Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. So really, while I hear him on what happened in Brooklyn, and I, I mean, we all went through it. We all saw it and talked about it. What I find is very interesting is he wants to get in the gym. I love to hear that from Kyrie because this is what we want to see. We want to see him have success at what he does great just play basketball, and obviously he's more than that, and he does things away from the court as well that are, that are great. But this is why we're discussing this, because Luka now has a star player to play alongside him, and they have an opportunity to go make a run. we got to take a quick commercial break. When we return, Shady, I want to get that thought that you had on your head off onto the show. When we return, we got to get off some final thoughts about this whole Kyrie Irving situation. It's one of the most fascinating situations in all of pro sports. If you care about sports, you'll care about this combo. When we return next on Speed. Babe, can I know about your secret tweets? <laughs> we said on the group chat. Picking up where we left off, the urgent story of the day. Kyrie Irving finally had his press conference in Dallas, his opening one. He had a lot to get off his chest. Shady, you had a response. What was yeah, your question? I, my thing was, and I, and I agree with Kyrie Irving, he talked about like being disrespected, and, and he wants to only focus on the basketball yep, part. Yep. And it's like, I agree with him. But I, I want to say, when he left the, the Cavs, right, him and LeBron broke went to Boston, even before the stuff he posted on his social media that offended a lot of people, people like had their thing out for Kyrie Irving. Like they just disliked him. And that's like, why are, why are people so like invested in him outside of basketball? If he thinks the world's flat or round, whatever he thinks, if he don't want to take the vaccine because whatever his religious beliefs are, why do people hate him for that? That's the part that I have an issue I with. I guess here's what I, one of the, one because of my... most players, real quick, most yep. players, they just shut up. They don't say nothing. They just, they just go whatever is scripted to be like, they just do that. Well, remember, if you want to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. Kyrie says a lot, he does a lot, and he is a lot. So we ain't going to avoid to criticism. To be hated, though? Not to be hated, but criticism is the cost of praise, 2-5. A lot of people love you. People still mad at you because you leaked what happened in, what was it, the Black Panther or whatever? Yeah. People cussed you out of the grocery store, you told me, because you leaked what happened yeah, in an yeah, Avengers yeah, movie, yeah. right? Like, if you want to avoid criticism, just go sit in the house and do nothing. I think criticism is a cost of praise. He gets a lot of praise, so he's going to get a lot of criticism. Dave, Joy, I know you all had final thoughts. Yeah, that's, I mean, Kyrie's one of the most outspoken athletes in America right now right and some of his opinions are controversial like, but people love him too remember there was i don't, a, I don't know i don't there think was a so. group of people marching around barclays because of kyrie irving oh, yeah. so like let's not act like kyrie has his warriors too he has his soldiers too yeah. uh, who's louder that's up for debate but people love you I people love hate you uh to kyrie. some degree you have to earn the right to be criticized and kyrie has earned a lot in his life along with criticism and praise that is it for us grace hub is next appreciate y'all watching we'll see you tomorrow peace